And welcome back to the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. This is episode number 49. My name is Ismael San Juan. Thank you so much for being here. Luka Doncic draws 42. The Mavs take a 3-2 lead in LA. Trey Young embraces the villain role, eliminates the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. Are the Lakers done? They lose game five to the Suns. Lillard drops 55 points in the loss. Free Damian Lillard. The Bucks and the Nets in the semifinals of the Eastern Conference playoffs. That's going to be a great matchup. We'll preview it. Danny Ainge retires. Brad Steven takes over as the president of basketball operations. Naomi Osaka withdraws from the French Open. We'll touch on that. Also, Chelsea defeat Manchester City 1-0. They are the new Champions League winners. And last but not least, thank you, Nuno. We thank Nuno Spiritu for his great time at the Wolves. All of this on this episode of the Hearts to Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. In a pivotal game five, Luka drops 42 points, 14 assists, and eight rebounds. Amazing performance by Luka. The Mavs had to get this game after losing two straight at home. The Clippers went into Dallas, packed the arena, got two crucial victories to tie the series at two. Then it went back to L.A. And then pretty much whoever won this game, statistically the winner of Game 5, when the series is tied 2-2, goes on to win the series around 82%, I believe. And Luka was just phenomenal from the beginning all the way to the end. He struggled a little bit in the fourth, but they were able to hold on. Crazy numbers that he had. Let me just run some by you real quick. Luka scored and assisted in 31 of 37 of Dallas field goals. That's just that's insane. He's basically their offense. He is the team. That's ridiculous. After 11 games played in the playoffs, Luka is second in the playoffs for points per game. He's only trailing Michael Jordan. Just ridiculous stuff by Luka. This is his fourth career playoff 40-point game. He's already surpassed a lot of greats over the time. All of these numbers just point to one thing. The Clippers have no answers for Luka. They had no answers for him last year. They have no answers for him this year. And barring an injury, they're probably not going to have an uh, answer for him in Game 6 or Game 7. Luka is just on another level. It doesn't matter if Kawhi, if it's PG, if it's Morris, if it's Rondo, if it's Mon, if it's Batum, if it's anybody. It doesn't matter who the Clippers throw at Luka. He is going to get his. He's going to get others involved. He's a savant with the basketball. He's a less athletic LeBron James. He is the face of the NBA. He is the future, and the future is now. Luka just putting everyone on notice. Luka in the playoffs. Luka in the regular season is must-watch TV. Luca in the playoffs, you better stop everything you're doing and pay attention to the screen because this man is ridiculous. Every game that he plays, you're in for a ride. You're in for a lot of excitement. That game versus the Clippers was very fun. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, there's a lot. Of, there's been a lot of good playoff games. There's a lot of good series. The Nuggets versus the Trailblazers. We'll touch on that one in a little bit. That one has been great, but. For my money, this Mavericks versus Clippers series has been the best one. Um, it's going to be tough for the Clippers to force a Game 7, having to go back to Dallas and get, win another game just to force it back to 
um, back to Staples Centers, back to L.A. Um, Kawhi kind of disappeared in game five. Uh, he, he, he wasn't shooting well. Um, he was one for seven from the three-point line, seven for 19. Um, overall, just not a great game by Kawhi Leonard standard. Only 20 points, five turnovers. A uh, very, very bad game. It was reminiscent of those last three games last year when the Nuggets eliminated them. I was expecting a big game from Kawhi. After showing up in Game 3 and Game 4 in Dallas, I really expected Kawhi to just squeeze squeeze the Mavs' neck and put them put them away. And like, I mean, I, I can't criticize Kawhi for Game 3 or Game 4. He really showed up. And I just thought he was going to continue. He was going to take... He was gonna suck the soul out of the Mavericks, but instead, it was it was it was Luca who was doing the soul sucking. He completely took over the game. Kawhi uh, let the Clippers down today. Uh, he let me down. The Clippers did make a comeback because the Mavs started off hot. They took control in the first quarter, and the Clippers were able to stay stay close. I think they even had the lead at halftime. In the third quarter, the Clippers took the lead. I got the sense from the Clippers that they thought the Mavs were just going to go away. Once once they made a big comeback, once they were able to eliminate that 12-point lead or um, whatever lead, like double-digit lead that the Mavs had, it felt like once that the Clippers felt like once they had a three- or four-point lead after making that huge comeback, that the Mavs were just going to be like, damn, we blew that 12-point lead, we blew that 13-point lead, now they're ahead of us, like... It's a wrap. Let's go back to Dallas and hopefully we win game six. And that was not the case. The The Mavs went like on the 25 to two run at the end of the third, beginning of the fourth to just completely flip the game on its head. The Mavs play with a lot of resiliency. They don't give up. Um, Draymond Green pointed out halftime. He was talking about how their effort and how their mentality changed from game three and game four. He pointed how uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., on the first play of the game, he tried to dunk all over the Clippers' defense, and that just showed the difference in mentality that they had this game. And how Luka dabbed them up, and he was like, "Hey, there you go, man. You got you got to give me something today. Like I I I like the energy that you're bringing already from game one." And Tim Hardaway Jr. showed up today, uh, got 20 points, plus six in the plus minus department. He was a great contributor. He made some deep threes. And, uh, man, I- I'm thrilled for Luka. Luka is my favorite player in the NBA. I've seen him play live once at Oracle against the Warriors. Luka's, Luka's the future, and the future is now, and it's looking dire for both L.A. teams. Um, the, can the Clippers go into Dallas and win a third game this series? Yes, they can, but they're going to need more from Kawhi. They're going to need more from PG. Uh, th- they could score. Both of them could score. Uh, PG had a pretty good game. He had foul trouble at the beginning. But to get 20 from Leonard, get 23 from Paul George in a crucial game where you where you need to win this to get control of um, playoff, you know, take take control of the series, you just expect more from Leonard. You, get, you expect more from Paul George. Reggie Jackson had a good game. He had 20 points. But Draymond Green made another good point where he's saying, why is Reggie Jackson shooting 16 shots when Paul George is 7 for 14, 7 for 15? Like, Paul George just needs to take over. One of them needs to take over. Like, how Luka's taking over, they need to take over, and they're not. And for the Clippers' sake, they they need to take over game six. But, man, if I was a betting man, I would not bet against Luka.
See, he is, he might be the best player in the NBA. But overall, game five was amazing. If you guys haven't watched it, watch the highlights. Great, great game. Luka drops 42, 14, and 8. He's a savant. He's the future, and the future is now. Trey Young embraces the role of a villain. He eliminates the Knicks. The Knicks go out losing 4-1 in the series, 103-89. to um, Basically, after halftime, the game was done. The, the Knicks don't have a punch. They don't have shooters. They don't have the offense to, to, to go on runs, to, to come back from a deficit, to take a big lead. And the Hawks played with a lot of heart, play, played with a lot of intensity. Um, Trey Young, he, he's he's a dog, man. He I I love his 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 swagger. I love I love the intensity that he brings. I love how he jaws with the with the crowd. I like how he, he's he's embracing the villain role, and I love it, man. It, it it reminds me of like some old school basketball clips, and the bow at the end after draining a three to wrap up the game. That was amazing. That was, that's playoff basketball. He took a bow. Uh, afterwards, the game, he said, I know where we are. I know there's a bunch of shows around this city, and I know what they do when the show is over. Just, ooh, I, I like his swagger, man. Trey Young, he's always going to be linked for with Luka, and it was just great to see both of them having great games in the same night, in the playoffs. Trey Young and Luka are the future of this league, and it's, it's amazing to see them take over this playoffs uh, Trey Young joins Michael Jordan as the only players in NBA history to score 30 points in three straight games at Madison Square Garden in the playoffs. Uh, to be fair, there hasn't been a lot of people that have been given the opportunity to, to do this. The Knicks have stunk it up for a while. Uh, they have not been relevant for a while, so it's not like people have a chance to do that in the playoffs because the Knicks are never in the playoffs. But with that being said, that's also that's a great any anytime your name is next to Michael Jordan, that is a great accomplishment. So let's give our flowers to Trey Young. He had a great series, 29.2 points per game, 9.8 assists per game, and shooting 44 from the field. Great numbers, great performance. Trey Young put on the show this first round. Uh, the Hawks defense was energized this whole series. They were flying around. There was a lot of possessions. I watched a lot of this series, and there was a lot of shot clock violations by the Knicks or a lot of super close calls where they just threw it up at the end and it barely graced the rim. That Hawks defense definitely took a step up in the playoffs. Clint Capella has played a great season for the for the Hawks, averaging a double-double in the season. He has been great for them. He completely mans that paint. And he was one of the main reasons why Julius Randle struggled so hard this season. Capella, he could shuffle his feet pretty good. He could keep up with Julius Randle. And he's just a huge body. He's a blocker. He he gets a lot of blocks. He just defends the rim so well. And um, the Hawks just had better offensive players, and the Knicks couldn't keep up. Uh, in the regular season, the Knicks beat teams by having more effort by playing with more intensity, by just giving it all. And in that playoffs, when everyone brings effort, when everyone's trying, when everybody is playing at 100, 110%, it just, the Knicks' advantage just went out the window because that's, for the most part, that's how they won in the regular season. And that's great for them. Like, no, no, it's not really a disappointment for the Knicks. If you look at all the polls before the playoffs, before the regular season, 
People had the Knicks as the second worst team in the East, as the worst team in the NBA. No one expected the Knicks to be in the playoffs, let alone the fourth seed to be hosting playoff games. Um, so overall, it was a great season for the Knicks. It was great to see Derrick Rose, you know, come back into the limelight, get a lot of notoriety, get a lot of credit for his great season. Just it was great to see Derrick Rose back in the limelight. Uh, Madison Square Square Garden looked like it was popping for those playoff games, especially the one that they won. That was some crazy, crazy footage. I wish I could have been there. It really highlighted that, yes, indeed, Madison Square Garden is the mecca of basketball. And I think the Knicks have a lot to grow from this. They have a lot of positives to take from this season. Um, Tom Thibodeau, if, if there's anything that you can say about Tom Thibodeau is that his teams always play with a lot of effort and they try really, really hard on defense. Yeah, he plays his stars maybe a lot of minutes and maybe that the basketball that he plays isn't the prettiest and maybe it doesn't translate into playoff victories. But he's going to get you to the playoffs and he's going to have your teams playing hard. And I think for the Knicks, for a team that has been struggling for so long, uh, for a fan base that has been in dire need of some type of success, this was... This was as good of a season as the Knicks could have had by any circumstance. They have a lot of cap space. Julius Randle had a horrific, horrific um, playoff series. You can't ignore that. There's no excuses. But if I were to give an excuse for Julius Randle, there's not too much going on in the Knicks. Derrick Rose, he still could get to the rim. He's explosive. His three-point shot is more reliable. He got his points. He had a great series. He was amazing. But Julius Randle, that bully ball, everyone knows he's going left, and there's not too many options to kick out to. Um, Bullock, Bullock is like your best three-point shooter. and the Knicks, the Knicks did good this season, and hopefully they keep building. And we do, we do need the Knicks in the playoffs. It became evident this season that the NBA is in a better shape when the Knicks are in the playoffs, when New York is in the playoffs. And it doesn't matter that Brooklyn has the better team, the better stars, that they're the favorites to win the championship. New York is a Knicks town, and we need them in the playoffs. So good luck to the Knicks. Hopefully they rebuild good. Hopefully they're able to attract some stars and they use their cap space well. We'll see if, if they give the max to Julius Randle. I would still give it to him. I would still give it to him because uh, what else do the Knicks have? There's no guarantee they get anybody else. This is the best season that they've had. He won most improved player, uh, and they've had – terrible seasons leading up to this season so you can't just let a player like that walk away after he gave you your best season in eight years that's just my opinion and everyone's getting maxes in the nba that's a discussion for another day but i think he deserves a max or whatever contract they throw at him i think the knicks deserve to be a good team in the nba it's good for the nba and i love what trey young's doing in the playoffs i love him being the villain he's always going to be hated in New York, in Madison Square Garden for the rest of his career. That bow was amazing. Shout out to Trey Young. Good luck to the Hawks in the East. Uh, they play, who do they play? They play the Sixers next without uh, Joel Embiid, so they might have a chance. We'll see how they do. But it was a great series nonetheless. Are the Lakers finished? Are the Lakers finished? They lose. They get. They don't just lose. They get annihilated 115 to 85 in Phoenix in a pivotal in another pivotal game five. Uh, LeBron James comes out passive. The whole supporting cast was terrible. The Suns came out firing. 
They came out super energized. They came out wanting to go for blood. And they did. The game was basically over halfway through the second quarter. It was like a 20, 20 point lead that just ballooned to 30. And the Lakers were never able to chip away at it. Uh, very disappointed as a Laker fan. I expected more. I expected the team to uh, pick up the slack for AD since he's hurt, since he wasn't playing. But nonetheless, we got the Lakers got to win Game Six and Game Seven if they have if they want any chance to repeat to defend their title. Uh, the lineup did surprise me a little bit. The lineup has never been played before. This was the first time that those five players have ever started let alone started they have never played they have never been on the court at the same time lebron james morris drummond schroeder kcp kcp was coming back from an injury he played 15 minutes gave you zero points hopefully his he's a little better for game six hopefully he's a little more healthy for game six dennis schroeder 26 point 26 minutes four rebounds one assist zero points just an abysmal performance by dennis schroeder the lakers offered him an 84 million dollar contract that he turned down and he's costing himself money right now in the playoffs. For Schroeder's sake, he better perform in Game 6. And he better hope that the Lakers win. And he better perform in Game 7 and hope that the Lakers win and that the Lakers move on and that he has a solid rest of the playoffs because he has not been good in the playoffs and he's costing himself money. And in the open market, I don't know how many teams would offer him $84 million over, what, four years that the Lakers offered him. So right now, after this disgusting performance against the Suns, I think Dennis Schroeder is costing himself some money. So hopefully he shows up. He can't do worse. There's no way he could do worse for game six. Hopefully he has a good game. Drummond, seven points. With with LeBron, with LeBron, not the LeBron that we have that we're accustomed to, not a hundred percent. I think the Lakers need to space out the floor as much as they can. They need to go small. I think Kuzma should start ahead of Drummond. Yeah, he gets some offensive rebounds. Yeah, he gets some putbacks. But I think you just gotta you gotta give LeBron James as much space as you can. Like they're already clogging the the lane. They're already clogging the paint. Like super super tight for LeBron James. They're not giving him a lot of space. You put Drummond in there. You put uh, like Dennis Schroeder and KCP having bad nights. They could just stuff that lane as hard as they can and Drummond just adds more mass more bodies in there um maybe he could have a better series against like bigger dude like Jokic or something but in this series against this players yeah Aiton it could be a menace on the boards but I think we need to take our chances because on the our offense our defense is not going to be good without AD on the court regardless I think our offense needs to come around some way somehow and I think you do that by Putting Drummond on the bench and just going five out and hopefully LeBron James can muscle his way and get some points. And hopefully the four that are on the court with LeBron James could score. And LeBron James, he finished with 24 points, seven assists, five rebounds. Not a bad stat line, but he was super passive. Obviously, we know that he's not 100%. He's 36 years old. He's he's a long season, short, short in season, back-to-back games, injury. We get it. We get it. Any other player, you wouldn't even be talking about, come on, give us more. Uh, like, we need more from you. We need more intensity. Any other player, I get it. LeBron James is definitely put in a different, in a different, um, he's definitely under a different microscope. We expect different things from LeBron James, but he is in the GOAT discussion. Whether he's your GOAT, whether he's the second best player of all time, 
he's under a different microscope and we need more from LeBron James. Even if he's not 100%, I get it how unfair that sounds. I get that he's hurt. He was passive to start off the game and he showed up in the third quarter, but the game was already out of hand. LeBron James, I know he's he's always said, I mean, he said that he's chasing the ghost of Michael Jordan and he said that he's already the best player of all time. But I know LeBron James wants another chip. So if he wants another chip, he needs to leave whatever he has left at, on game six versus the Suns and hope that AD comes back for game seven and then hope AD can, uh, you know, get us there on game seven. And then you have a fresh series um, against the Nuggets or against the Trailblazers, whoever it is. And I'm not saying you throw game one or game two, but since it's a fresh new series, if you make it out of this hole that you're in with the Suns, you have a fresh new series. You get to, you know, maybe be a little passive game one, game two, see see how the series is doing. And then you kick it up game three, game four. And, and now you have some time. You, you build your rest into the next series. But right now, it's do or die against the Phoenix Suns, down 3-2. It goes back to Staples in front of the Laker faithful, in front of the purple and yellow, purple and gold. So we'll see We'll see what the Lakers are made of. Um, we'll see if Vogel makes some adjustments. We'll see if they come out with some intensity. And I think it'll be very, very evident since the first quarter. If the Lakers come out passive, if you don't see energy, if you don't see people going after rebounds, if you see the Suns out hustling the Lakers, they're not going to win, especially without AD. We need everyone to play scrappy, play like we're the worst team in the NBA, and we're just trying to get one victory. And how you do that, you, with a lot of effort, with a lot of uh, swarming defense, trying to get boards and make your shots. Because I know LeBron I know LeBron James is not going to go out it's not going to go out sad. He's going to put it, he's going to leave it out. I'm, 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 I'm expecting big things from LeBron James. But enough of the Lakers, the Suns. Devin Booker had 18 points in the first quarter. He came out firing. Uh, he's one of those next generation of stars that's going to take over the league. I'm looking at him. I'm looking at Trey Young. I'm looking at Luka, Tatum, Brown. All these guys that are just ready to take over the league once these older statesmen, you know, retire. And, uh, yeah, Devin Booker was amazing. Cameron Payne also deserves some accolades. Um, when he was with the Bulls, one of their GMs, one of their uh, um, front office people were saying that they knew he wasn't an NBA talent from, like, the first time they saw him at practice, the first time he stepped into their facilities. And here we are a couple years later, Cameron Payne. You know, I believe he started with OKC, then with the Bulls, then he kind of bounced around. And now he's making a name for himself with the Suns, getting quality minutes, giving the Suns quality minutes, buckets, giving the Lakers buckets. He he's his three point game is not bad. He could drive to the lane. He's giving the Suns quality minutes now that Chris Paul is once again hurt, and it looked like he got himself hurt again in Game Five. But shout out to the Suns, they're a very likable team. I, I like their coach too. It's just. Uh, they're playing the Lakers, so I do hope the Lakers go through. But losing to the Suns is not the end of the world. Um, they're a very likable team. I would I would like the Suns. If they beat the Lakers, the Suns are not a bad team to root for. They have a lot of likable guys. Um, I know a lot of people don't like Jay Crowder, but, you know, Jay Crowder, he, he's been doing this his whole career. That's who he is. Like, it doesn't surprise me. Like, that's his role. That's how he – that's his niche. That's how he stayed in the NBA. I'm not, I'm not mad at him. 
Devin Booker's cool. Aiton's cool. Chris Paul, he, he could be kind of dirty sometimes, but he's cool. Cameron Payne, good story. Their head coach is really cool. The Suns have a nice team. They're playing with a lot of heart. They're making shots. A lot of effort. Chris Paul is like a coach out there too. Tough team. Hopefully the Lakers get, win a game six. Um, I think it's going to be a good game. And if they do make a game seven, I know Phoenix is going to be buzzing because for game five, that arena sounded very loud. It was it was it was intense in that game but shout out to the suns for having playing a great game lakers played an abysmal game five who do you guys have winning game six can the lakers force a game seven i say they do what do you guys think let me know in the comments or you know if you're listening to this just think about it <laughs> damian lillard drops 55 points in a loss free dame lillard uh it was an amazing performance, historical performance, jaw-dropping. I'm lost for words. It was one of the best playoff performances I have ever seen. It might be the best one. That was ridiculous. Damon Lillard is as clutch as it gets. If you haven't watched that game, make sure to at least watch the highlights. Ridiculous game. The only good thing as a Lakers fan from the Lakers being blown out so bad by the Suns is that I was able to ignore that game. That game was done, and I was able to focus Solely on Lillard just going berserk, just going, just dropping a nuke on the Nuggets. And it still wasn't enough. And it wasn't enough because Jokic, the Joker, is a freaking MVP. He's the MVP of the league. He's a great player. He's amazing. And he himself had 38 points. He had almost everyone in the Trailblazers in foul trouble. And the Nuggets, the Nuggets get a pivotal win in Game 5 at home. If they would have blown this, I think they would have lost in 6. It would have been heartbreaking. It, it would, Lillard was just ready to s snatch their heart, snatch the heart of all the fans at the arena, at Pepsi Center. He was ready to just snatch their heart and take it back to Portland. But Denver Nuggets hold on. It's the third most points in a playoff victory. Um, behind 63, I believe it's the 63 from um, from Jordan against the Celtics. It's uh, 57 from Donovan Mitchell last year against the Nuggets. And now 55 this year by Damian Lillard against the Nuggets. It was just ridiculous. The shots that he was doing, the footwork that he was doing, the degree of difficulty from those shots was just ridiculous. There was a couple times... At the end of regulation, where it just seemed like there's no way, there's no way the Trailblazers come back to this and force an overtime. And Lillard's like, nope, we're going to overtime. And then the Nuggets take a big lead in the first overtime, and you're like, all right, this is done. That was cool. Like, that was entertaining. Thank you, Damian Lillard, for giving us that end of regulation shot, for entertaining us. But this, that's it. The Nuggets, they're going to close it out in the first few minutes of the first overtime. And then Damian Lillard's like, nope. Not done yet. We're going to go to a second overtime because I'm about to go crazy again. And you're like, wow, like how, how, how much does he have left? And in the double overtime, he, he did look to find a couple of his teammates. Robert Covington missed his second dunk in double overtime. He missed one in the first overtime. Just disgusting. Like I felt so bad for I felt so bad for Damian Lillard watching Robert Covington just completely whiff on two dunks wide open dunks just i felt disgusted i i wanted to throw up that's how bad i felt for damian lillard and then cj mccollum damian lillard passes out of a double team 
yeah, the ball got deflected. But come on, CJ McCollum, you're you're one of those players that like one of the best players in the NBA that that's never made an All Star. You're a good player. Like, come on, don't don't do this to Dame. And you step out of bounds, like not even like close. You completely step out of bounds. Like, I feel so bad for Damian Lillard. I feel like that's the only thing we should be talking about in this game. Um, yeah, Jokic is a beast, and yeah, he had he had some good games from the rest of his teammates. Um, Monte Morris put up 24 po- 28 points. Shout out to Monte Morris, great game. Michael Porter Jr. put up twenty six points. Shout out to him for stepping up. Austin Rivers put up 18. He's been a great addition for the Nuggets since uh, Jamal Murray went out. We should be talking about all of this. We should be, you know, praising the Nuggets for taking that 3-2 lead. And, you know, they're probably going to beat the Trailblazers. I wouldn't be surprised if the Trailblazers force a game seven. I will be surprised if they win, if they win two in a row and eliminate the Nuggets. And I won't be surprised at all if... This is just super deflating for the Trailblazers. If Damian Lillard just runs out of gas or if the Nuggets take a big lead in game six and it's just like super deflating for the Trailblazers and, and they just lose in six. I, I do have a tough time seeing them come back and, and winning this whole thing. But Damian Lillard just ridiculous game. He he deserves to be a winner in my opinion. Like Damian Lillard's he seems like a like a good guy. He, his Twitter is is entertaining. He, uh, I'm just rooting for Damian Lillard. He's one of my. He's he's definitely one of my favorite players in the NBA. He's he's most watched TV in the playoffs. He's one of the most clutch players of all time. The things he's doing. He broke the record. He broke the record for most three pointers in in the playoffs, passing uh Clay Thompson. He has 12 in the playoffs, and his wasn't a loss. Just crazy, crazy stuff. Free Damian Lillard. Um, he, he there's no way the Portland Trailblazers win with him. Uh, they're cap strapped. Uh, they're both kind of undersized. Him and C.J. McCollum. Um, they need they need to do they need to do something. They need to trade one of them. Get like a different star that fits better with Dame. They need to trade Dame. They need they need to just free him. Um, I suggested that the Bucks trade Holiday and Middleton. If they don't get it done this year for Damian, like imagine Damian Lillard and and Giannis, that would be insane. Lillard could just close out every single game. Giannis could, you know, dominate in the regular, like the first three quarters and just let Dame close. Yeah, I think that would be a good pairing, but uh, obviously we'll see how the Bucks do this this year. But someone needs to make a move for Dil- for Lillard, like free Lillard, come on. Like he, he deserves better. Ah, he can't be doing this year in, year out. You feel bad for the guy. Man, hopefully he gets into a bigger market because being in Portland, you don't see Lillard as much on national TV. You don't see him play on TNT, on ESPN as much as he should. He's a great talent. I feel bad for the guy. Just ridiculous, ridiculous, jaw-dropping, historical performance by Lillard. The things he was doing on the court last night was just a sight to behold and i feel bad for the guy and robert covington come on man just make your dunks cj mccollum i know it's one instant but come on man but that was that hopefully free damian lillard the bucks and the nets are set to play in the second round of the nba playoffs i think this is going to be the best matchup of the playoffs giannis middleton 
Holiday against Kyrie, Harden, and KD. The Nets big three, they're ready. Giannis is ready. This is going to be a matchup for the ages. Kyrie, Harden, and KD should obviously be the favorites. They got two MVPs in there. They got Kyrie, one of the clutchest players in the NBA. NBA uh, Finals uh, winner already. He has the chip. Harden, he has that chip on his shoulder. He wants to get a chip. KD coming back from that Achilles. It's going to be a great series. It's going to be must-watched TV, in my opinion. This is the Eastern Conference Final, in my opinion. The winner of this is going to represent the East in the NBA Finals. Philly had a chance, but it just came out today that um, Embiid has a slight tear on his meniscus. That's never good. It's even worse if you're a seven-plus footer with a lot of mass. I don't think he's going to be able to be the same guy in the playoffs. The Hawks, great series, great performance by Trey Young to eliminate the Knicks. I don't think they have enough just yet to be either the Bucks or the Nets. So this is essentially, in my opinion, the Eastern Conference Final. The winner of this series is going to represent the East in the playoffs. And it's just going to be must-watch TV. I think uh, Drew Holiday, this is where he's going to show his worth for the Bucks. All those asses that they gave up to him, this is what they need him for. He needs to step up. He needs not only in his defense, but in his offense too. They're going to need his offense this series more than ever. Middleton had a great first series against the Heat. He's going to have to keep that up and maybe even turn it up. He's going to have to show up. And Giannis, he's he's just going to have to dominate. He's just going to have to dominate. He, He has to impose his will on these nets. The nets are not known for defense. Giannis is going to be the biggest guy in there. Even if they put DeAndre Jordan, an old DeAndre Jordan, just Giannis has to show up and, and put make his free throws and attack the paint. It's going to be a just incredible matchup. Like on Saturday, if you're not doing anything on Saturday, make sure to catch that game one. I think it's going seven. I think it's going seven. I think the Bucks have a chance. A lot of people say the Nets in like five or six. I think it's going seven, and I do think that the Bucks are going to pull it off. I think they have more defense. The Nets don't really have a defense. I think these games are going to be close, and at the end, when you need a stop, the Nets just don't have just don't have the personnel to get a stop. KD, he's a good he's a good defender. Harden, Kyrie, Kyrie's not a good defender. He, he tries, but the frame and he's just he's an offensive player. Harden, he could be a good defender, but lately he hasn't been the best. And you have Joe Harris. He's not a good defender. And whoever you put at, at the five, it's going to be hard for them to get stops. Ky- I mean, John is, he's, he's one defensive player of the year. We all know that Drew Holiday is one of the best perimeter guard defenders out there. Middleton can defend a little bit. I think the Nets don't have don't have it in them to get stops down the stretch. I think the Bucks have been building for this. This is a different Bucks team. I think the Bucks win in seven, and they're going to represent the East in the finals. But I could be wrong. The Nets are definitely the favorites, and they have the most firepower, and I would not be surprised if they, Kyrie Harden and KD just go for 90 points a, a, a game and and they eliminate the Bucks. They did average like 85, I believe, versus the Celtics, but the, the Bucks are not the Celtics. And I just want to give KD some props to uh, to come back from an Achilles injury to not play for so long and be the leading scorer in the playoffs. KD's a monster. KD, 
Katie's a beast. Katie might be the best player in the NBA right now, especially since LeBron is hobbled. He's definitely like no lower than number two, and he's just a monster. He he had a great series against the Celtics. He's a monster. He the Slim Reaper is back. It's great. To, it's a, it's great to see him back. It's great to see him back in the playoffs. Um, this this series is gonna be amazing. I am so pumped up for this series. I am looking forward for this. This should have been the Eastern Conference Final, but we we'll, we got it around earlier, and I'm very excited. Danny Ainge retires. Brad Steven takes over as president of basketball operations. Is this the right move for the Celtics? Uh, well, first of all, I just want to you know wish Danny Ainge a happy retirement. I don't know if he's gonna stay retired. There's rumors that he might go to the uh, to the Jazz front office or something like that i heard we'll see if he stays retired but shout out to danny ainge i wish him the best in retirement um brad stevens for a while people were considering him one of the best coaches if not the best coach in the nba there's even some crazy poll on twitter where people were asking if you were starting a new team would you take the best player available the best player in the nba or would you take brad stevens that's the hyperbole that people were talking of Brad Stevens' names, like, it was just ridiculous. He is a, one of the best coaches in the NBA. I still remember what he did with those Celtics teams that were undermanned, that didn't have Kyrie. He got them to Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, he's kind of underperformed these last few seasons, losing in the first round, but he's had some injuries. But will he be a good president of basketball operations? Um, that that is left to be said. After the loss to the Nets, Brad Brad Stevens did talk to the media and said that they, they just don't have the talent. They just don't have the talent to compete against these elite teams in the NBA. And I agree with him. They need more talent. They're these teams in the NBA, the Nets, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks, they're all more talented than the Celtics. They need to get more talent. Is Brad Stevens going to be more aggressive trying to get talent? One of the downfalls of Danny Age in the latter parts of his career was that he didn't pull the trigger. He should have pulled the trigger for AD. He should have pulled the trigger for Kawhi and just, you know, go all in. But he didn't. He was looking for the perfect deal. He did pull out two of the best deals in NBA history, getting Garnett from the Timberwolves and then trading Garnett and Paul Pierce in a fleece of the Brooklyn Nets, just completely the most lopsided trade in NBA history. Those are the two trades that marked Danny Ainge's career. And I feel like he was looking for that third trade that was just going to uh, mark his career again. And he and he always wanted to win big. And he just was, he was hesitant to pull the trigger at the end. I think it cost him. I think if he would have just gone all in, the Celtics might have won a championship in one of these years. So I do think Brad Stevens is going to be more aggressive. You could tell that he he knows that they need to get more talent some way or another. They just need to get more talent. So we'll see how he does. We'll see if he's more aggressive. But Brad Stevens, like I said, he is one of the better coaches in the NBA. Whoever is going to replace him, are they going to be better than Stevens as a head coach? Probably not. Um, is, Brad, is Brad Stevens going to be better than Danny Ainge as president of basketball operations that's left to be said Danny Ainge he wasn't a bad president he was a good one so it's, it's Brad Stevens has has you know his work cut out for him to surpass him yeah Danny Ainge didn't finish the best but 
he didn't he didn't do a bad job. So is this the right move for the Celtics? Well, depending, there is I have heard players that say that they get fatigued from a coach after listening to him for so many years. It's just it's just time for a new for a new coach for a breath of fresh air. So I do see that Brad Stevens did say that he was getting tired, that it was waning on him, especially after the bubble. So I could see why he wants to step down as a coach and go into the front office. But is the new coach going to be better than Brad Stevens? I don't think so. So we'll see how this plays out. Once again, just Danny Ainge, if you do stay retired, happy retirement. You had a very good career. The latter part could have been better, but overall, you were a good president. Brad Stevens, I think he left a lot to be desired as a head coach. If you were just if he never coaches again, I think we all thought Brad Stevens had the potential to be one of the best coaches in the NBA to win titles. If he ends up winning them as head of basketball, of president of basketball operations, yeah, he's going to get some shine, but I think he would have gotten more as a coach. So we'll see how he does. I'm a Laker fan, so obviously I'm not wishing the Celtics the best, but I do wish Danny Ainge happy retirement, and hopefully Brad Stevens does a, a good job. And it does. it is funny, it's like poetic, that the Nets were the team that eliminated the Celtics in Danny Ainge's last season as president of basketball operations because the Nets were the ones that got fleeced by Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge was called a genius. That was the trade that put Danny Ainge like over the top. Everybody thought he was the best thing since sliced bread. And now the Nets are ahead of the Celtics, eliminated them, and basically put an end to Danny Ainge's career as the president of basketball operations for the Celtics. The end of an era, and the Nets ended it. Ain't that poetic. That's some crazy stuff. We live in a simulation, you guys. Just crazy, crazy stuff. Moving along. Naomi Osaka withdraws from the French opening, citing mental illness. She was struggling with anxiety, and I believe she said depression. She is the second-ranked woman tennis player. She is the highest-paid female tennis player. Um, Before the French Open, she said she didn't want to partake in the interviews because it was bad for her mental health. She was struggling with anxiety. The French Open did not really give her any positive feedback, didn't give her any suggestions, didn't offer any alternatives. And after her first round match, she declined to do interviews. And the French Open replied with threats, um, with fines, with possible suspensions. And it was gaining a lot of attention. Because of this, Naomi said that she withdrew from the French Open um, because she didn't want to be a distraction. She never wanted to be a distraction. Um and I quote, she said, I think now the best thing for the tournament and the other players and my well-being is that I withdraw so that everyone can get back to focusing on tennis. On the tennis going on in Paris, I never wanted to be a distraction and I accept that my timing was not ideal and that the message could have been clear. Um, it's just sad. It was the end. This was in the end of May and it was the end of Mental Health Awareness. It was Mental Health Awareness Month. And just the way that the French Open went about this was just completely wrong. They completely missed an opportunity to, you know, ingratiate themselves with their fans, with people that struggle with mental with mental illness. Um, just the threats that they did to her, finding her fifteen thousand, I believe, um, threatening her to suspend her from the 
from the French Open. It was just, in my opinion, it's disgusting. Uh, I applaud her for withdrawing from the tournament. She's basically the biggest draw in female tennis. And for her, one of the favorites to win the whole thing, to just not care about the money, not care about, you know, the optics or the backlash that she could potentially get from the fans. And let me just say that for the most part, the fans have been on her side. And it's been great to see people take her side and defend her. And it's been great to see other tennis players like Serena and Venus Williams, you know, stand up for her and tell her that, you know, she deserves a hug and she's being brave and all that. That's been great. I think Stephen Curry tweeted about it. It's just been great to see players really like, you know, take her side. But I completely applaud her for just... Because tennis, I'm I'm sure it's her passion. She loves to play tennis. Everybody loves to compete. This is her profession. It's, it must not have been easy to to withdraw from a Grand Slam tournament like the French Open. Um, so I applaud her for that. It takes a lot of cojones. It takes a lot of, you know, self-realization. She's definitely, she has done interviews in the past. So for her to take this step at this time, I completely like, don't even question it. There's people that are questioning it, that are saying that this is a slippery slope. Like, if you let one player not take an interview, then other players are just not going to want to interview. And they could all just say, oh, my mental health is, is not the best, so I don't want to interview. And then you have no one to interview. I think these people are just going to the extreme just to get, just to chastise Naomi. I completely believe her. Like, I hope she, she recovers. I hope she progresses. I hope we get to see her soon. But obviously, like she said at the end of her letter, she'll come back when she feels like she's ready. You know, take all your time. I know mental mental illness, mental health, mental health is just, it, it doesn't get the attention that it should get. Um, we don't treat it like as a physical injury. Like we, we diminish it. We think we could just, um, just get over it. Like I've seen some interview by this news reporter, it was pretty. It was pretty sad. Like she just, she was basically alluding to the fact that, you know, Naomi should just take a class. Like, like yeah, you might not feel the best, but like just take a class or take an instructor who will teach you how to feel better when you're getting interviewed. To just like keep your composure and not look at the interview, the person interviewing you as your enemy. It's not that easy. If you're going through depression, anxiety, all this stuff. It's uncontrollable. It's uncontrollable. You just can't control it. Like You don't get to control when your anxiety goes spikes up and you just feel completely disgusted. You feel nauseous. You feel like like you can't control your body. Like I know people that have anxiety, that suffer with anxiety. I know people that suffer through depression. I, there's, it's so common. One, in eight, one, in eight, one person out of every eight suffers some type of mental health issue. So like, there's there's a lot of ignorant people are just saying uh, like a lot of dumb stuff about what Naomi could have done and how she could have approached this better. I think what should have happened is the French Open should have had a little bit of wherewithal and acknowledge her situation better. Because there's some people that are saying if if, if female players, if female tennis players don't um, interview, then they're never going to grow the sport and we want female the female tennis sport to grow or just female sports overall. I think that's just a lazy excuse because if you really wanted, if you, if your number one goal was really to grow female tennis, then you wouldn't take one of the best players or basically the face of female tennis out of the tournament. You wouldn't threaten them with, with suspending them. You wouldn't find them. You wouldn't just make a mockery of them. You would... If, if growing the sport is really your main intention, 
you would accommodate this player and you would, you know, accommodate, make some changes, ask her, like, all right, maybe you can't um, do this post-game um, interview right now. Let us know. Maybe in the third round, in the fourth round, in the knockouts round. If you're feeling a little better, can we check back then and then go, at pro like, just do something. Like, you can't be so rigid. I think the French Open just wants to, you know, flex their muscles, show Naomi who's in charge. And they're being very hypocritical because the president of the FFT, and it's the it's basically the French Federation of Tennis in French. So the FFT president, um, Gilles Moreton, he made a statement regarding what was going on in the French Open with Naomi. He said it in French. He said it in English, and then he proceeded to not take questions when there was the media was there ready to ask him questions. He did not take any questions, and he just left. Super hypocritical. If you could do it, why can't Naomi? Like, just look yourself in the mirror and look at the message you're trying to send. And I think uh, that that narrative that it's a slippery slope. If you let Naomi not take not talk to the media everyone's not going to want to talk to media i don't think that's true the winners are definitely going to talk to the media um everybody wants brand deals everybody wants to be like you know the face of nike the face of adidas the face of babylon everybody wants those endorsement deals and a lot of times just being on camera as much as you can gets you those deals you say a funny soundbite you say something that goes viral you know everyone knows those sees those playoff interviews where, you know, they throw the water on them. You see it in the NBA. You see it in soccer. There's a lot of great moments in these post-game interviews where I think players, regardless, would still want to talk. Yeah, obviously the loser might not want to talk, but you're still going to get players who want to talk to the media regardless. And instead of finding these these great superstars, maybe you could, do, you could set up a way where you incentivize them, where if, you know, they do all their interviews for a tournament, then they get some kind of compensation. I'm just spitballing here, but it just seems like the French Open completely whiffed this, completely did not go about this the right way. And I feel for Naomi, but I applaud her for standing up. People were saying, take care of yourself as, as well as Naomi takes care of herself. And that's a lesson for everyone. Make sure to uh, take care of your chickens. Take care of yourself. Because um, at the end of the day, almost no one really cares for you especially these big corporations like the ftt this, the french open you got to take care of yourselves everyone so whoever's listening to this just make sure that your mental health is on point and if it's not you know take that day off um eat that chocolate just make sure you're feeling you're feeling all right and naomi i hope to see you back soon i hope that us as tennis fans are able to see you back on the court whenever you're ready we'll be waiting um even if you don't do interviews, I'll be right here ready to see you become one of the best or take the mantle as the best tennis player, woman tennis player in the world. We'll be here when you're ready. Chelsea defeat Manchester City 1-0 in the Champions League final. N'Golo Conte wins man of the match. He was masterful. He was everywhere. He completely dominated that midfield. He's He's... He's, he was amazing. He he has he won man of the match both home and away in the semifinals. He won man of the match in the finals. He's definitely in the contention for the Ballon d'Or. 
He is a monster. That whole back line was amazing. Rudiger, Reese James, Espilicueta, Benchilwo, um, Thiago Silva before he left hurt. Even Christensen when he came back. It was just that back line was amazing. Also want to give Reese James a shout out. He had Sterling in his pocket. Sterling is still in his pocket. They're, they're now in the England concentration. They're in the England camp um, ahead of the Euros. And I'm, I'm pretty sure Sterling's having nightmares of Reece James still. He's he's uh, he's in the line. He's in that English camp, you know, in line trying to get some lunch. He sees Reece James. He's ducking him. He's he's still Reece James is haunting Sterling to this day. It was just a masterful performance by Reece James. He completely dominated that right side of the field. He was amazing. Also, El Capi, Aspilicueta had a great game. Um, that's the grit. That's the heart that I want my captain to play with. Um, he, he got a little hurt. He got a little uh, nicked up in the second half, and he came back. He, he stayed in the game. Great game by Aspilicueta. I'm happy that he's a champion one more time. And uh, Chelsea, just Tuco just put on a master class. His, his lineup was great. Um... City only had one goal, one shot on target. Just goes to show how well Tuco planted his men. Um, shout out to Pulisic for being the first American to play in the Champions League final. Shout out to Pulisic. He's the second to ever win it. First to play. Uh, American soccer is on the rise. Uh, we'll touch on that in another episode, the growth of the U.S. soccer. But Pulisic is another highlight for U.S. men's soccer. And Tuco, these German coaches just come back. German coaches are are good. We've seen it with Klopp. We've seen it with him. We've seen it with Toku. He loses the final last year with PSG. He gets sacked by them. He takes over this Chelsea team that was underperforming with Lampard. And he just finishes top four in the Premier League, loses the final of the FA Cup against Leicester, and now he wins the Champions League final. Tuchel, just an amazing, amazing job. Going to that back three, putting Espelicueta back into the lineup. Um... Just and Mendy, Mendy deserves some credit too. He didn't have a lot to do this final, but he had been amazing all season long for Chelsea. That was one of the key signings this season. Um, uh, uh, moving away from Kepa and and uh, allowing Mendy to be the starting keeper. So a lot of praise for Chelsea. Contest, Peliqueta, Tuco, you know, shout out to Havertz who didn't have the best season at all. This is not what Chelsea fans expected from him, but he had a great final. He scored the winner. Great goal. Shout out to Havertz. Warner, he missed another two goals. I mean, two chances in the play in the Champions League final. I predicted that he was going to redeem, redeem himself for all the misses he's had this season. I predicted that he was going to go from zero to hero in the Champions League final, but he did not. He, he missed two pretty decent chances. Um, he didn't have the best of games. I, I believe Cizic didn't even play. So all these signings that Chelsea have haven't even reached their full potential and their Champions League winners. It just goes to show how good of a coach Tuchel is. Um, Chelsea could be real scary next season once if they get everyone into form um, with another transfer window, um, with that defense just being super solid. We'll see what City does. But Chelsea just winning Champions League with... Their key signings this offseason not in their best form. It's an amazing accomplishment. And uh, I wish them the best. I think they're gonna be one of the one of the um, protagonists next season in the Premier League. 
and it's just an amazing amazing accomplishment for Chelsea being the third team to win the Champions League twice and uh for all the praise I want I gave Chelsea and that was a lot of praise shout out to Chelsea now comes the criticism of Guardiola he tried to get cute again he tried to be a genius he tried to you know steal the attention he was a little arrogant with his lineup in my opinion he there was a tried and true method that he had the whole season and he tinkered with it it's a blasphemy it's it's criminal that he he stepped into that field without a defensive midfielder he had played one all season either rodri or um fernandinho which are both still fernandinho still class rodri's a really good player but that defensive midfielder role is important is it's this is the backbone of his whole formation and he played without a defensive midfielder and another one was starting Sterling. Once I saw that lineup, I was at a bar, so I couldn't really hear what the pregame announcement was going. So I wasn't really, uh, maybe they touched on it before the game started. But once they showed the lineup before the game kicked off and I saw Sterling and I saw no defensive midfielder, I was like, oh, my God, here we go again. Here we go with Pep trying to be a genius, trying to, people say he's he overthinks it. I don't think he overthinks it. I think, I think I know, I think he knows exactly what he's doing. He wants to come out of these games as the genius, as the hero. Like, if this would have worked out, if he would have played all these wingers, um, Sterling, Foden, Mares, De Bruyne, Silva, and they would have, if they would have, like, just demolished Chelsea, like, let's say they won 3-0, the media would have sang his praises. They would have said, "Damn, look at look at Pep, the genius that he is." Because the media really likes him. They would have said, "Look at look at Pep, the genius that he is." Just completely overwhelming that Chelsea defense. Chelsea didn't didn't concede. Only conceded two goals all Champions League season since Tuchel took over. And look look how how smart Pep was just overloading. On offensive players, just completely overwhelming that defense. And he forgot to play a defensive midfielder and it cost him the game because the hole that was there when Havertz ran through the middle of that defense was caused because there was no defensive midfielder. Stone stepped up into the midfield, left the gap. Diaz stepped into the gap. Shashenko wasn't aware. He let Havertz run across his body and Chelsea 1 0. City never looked like they had their shape all game long. Kevin De Bruyne left hurt, but he was a ghost before he left. I don't blame him completely. Uh, I feel like really not having a defensive midfielder just kind of clogged up the top. No one really knew the role. No one They needed that defensive midfielder to really hold down the middle and everyone could play off him. So I think uh, at the end of the day, Guardiola tried to get cute, tried to put his stamp all over this final, and it cost him. And Tuchel did the opposite. He let his players play in their preferred positions. He, he kept it simple. He, he gave them a specific game plan, and they executed and they won. And it just goes to show how good of a coach Tuchel is. And I think uh, for, my, for, my, for my money, I think Guardiola is a little overrated. Yeah, he's one of the better coaches out there, but people have him so high up in their standings, in their rankings of coaches. And he has not won a Champions League in 10 years. He has not won one without Messi, Xavi, or Iniesta. And he's coached. He's coached the elite teams in Europe. He's He took over a treble team in Bayern Munich. He took over City with an open checkbook that will get him any players. If you look at all the transfers that he's done, he's spending over 50 million pounds, million euros, 
million dollars on all these players, not just for starters, for depth, for bench players, for players that don't even play sometimes. That squad, that City squad is definitely better than that Chelsea squad. He had the better squad on Saturday and he couldn't get it done. He had the better squad last year against Leon and he couldn't get it done. He had the better squad against Tottenham two years ago or three years ago. He couldn't get it done. And yeah, it's great that he's winning all these Carabao Cups. And yeah, it's great that he's winning the league pretty consistently. But at the end of the day, they hired Pep to win Champions League. Because if there's anything that City needs, it's to get a European championship to really validate themselves as a European giant. Because for all the money that they spent, for all the oil money, they need a European championship to really put themselves at the top of the European pyramid. Local domestic titles are good, but they're not enough, especially with the budget that City has. And, you know, Pep hasn't done it in 10 years, and we'll see if he gets it done next year or the next year. How long is this leash going to be with City? Because they were already winning Premier League titles without him. They were winning uh, League Cups without him, and they got him for the sole purpose of getting them Champions League. And it's another failure. And it's another head scratcher. And it's not like I'm the only one saying this. There's everybody, everybody was like, what? Why is he starting Sterling? An out of form Sterling that hadn't been starting, that hadn't been playing. The only reason he started a few games at the end of the season was because City had already wrapped up the title and he was just rotating players, keeping them fresh. And we all knew Sterling wasn't in his best form. And he goes ahead and starts him. He tries to get cute. And it cost him. It cost City. Shout out to Chelsea. They played a great game. It was an entertaining final. I, I believe it was a better final than last year's. Shout out to Chelsea. They're going to be scary moving forward. We'll see if all their signings get into into rhythm. But for my money, Guardiola is a little overrated. That nickname that people give him, Fraudiola, I think it fits. Um, especially it fits because people have him regarded as the best thing since sliced bread. They have him as the best coach in the world. And <clears throat> as a Real Madrid fan, it, it pains me to see how people don't view Sidan as one of the better coaches. They just think he's like a, a people person. He just knows how to control uh, emotions of players and stuff like that. They don't think he's the best X's and O. But what he's done, in my opinion, has been more impressive than what Guardiola has done. And yeah, Guardiola is a good, good coach. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of coaches could have gotten it done with that Barcelona team a lot of coaches would have done great things with that Bayern team we've seen what Bayern has done since he's left before he's been there since he's left since he's left they've already won a Champions League and they keep winning the Bundesliga and they keep winning cups and City they're basically doing the same thing right now as they were before maybe more consistently and many they're breaking records they're scoring over 100 points and doing all this great stuff. But at the end of the day, they're just winning domestic titles and they need to get a Champions League title to really validate what they're doing. Is it going to be Guardiola? Is is he going to end up back in Barcelona? We'll see. But for now, he's definitely, in my opinion, at least the last few years, Fraudiola. And to wrap up this episode, I just want to say thank you, Nuno. Thank you for being the best head coach for the Wolves. This was the best era of the Wolves. It was under Nuno. 
and I get I get it was time to part ways. The front office wanted to go a different direction. You probably had some fatigue. You wanted to go a different direction. I know the fans, a lot of fans throughout the season, throughout this difficult injury-ridden season, wanted uh, wanted you out. Nuno, Nuno out was trending on Twitter. Nuno out was everywhere. And to those people, I just say, be careful what you wish for. Nuno was a great head coach for the Wolves. He was, uh, he was, he was great. He brought the Wolves back to the Premier League, back to back seven finishes. Some great moments for Nuno as a Wolves head coach. I wish him the best. There's rumors that he's going to go to Everton and Tottenham. And I will always root for the Wolves ahead of Nuno. No offense to Nuno, but I'm a Wolves supporter. So I, I mean, I wish him the best, but I wish the Wolves even more success. Um, wherever he ends up, I like Nuno. I will quietly or loudly be rooting for him. Um, he's he look he's he's been a great guy. He he's really embraced Wolverhampton as as his home. Uh, he's made donations. Um, if you haven't read up on it, you can read up on it. He, he's a great guy, and he was a good head coach. And this was the best era under Nuno. And yeah, this last season was difficult. There was a lot of injuries. The the pandemic. He was away from his family. There was a lot of fatigue. Um, the media could be harsh sometimes. The fans could be harsh sometimes. Yeah, the soccer was boring a little bit. The transition to the back four wasn't the best. Um, it was unentertaining f- football a lot of the season. But there was a lot of injuries. We lost Raul. We lost Neto. Um, but there's one thing that you could always point to Nuno is he got teams. He got these his players into these national teams. He got them their debuts with national teams. He got them on their teams on their national teams radar. And you cannot ignore that about Nuno. Uh he made the Wolves relevant. He made he met he brought the Wolves back to Premier League. He got Adama Traoré into that Spain national team for the Euros. He got um Den Docker into the Belgium Euros team. Um the Portugal has a stack team and Mourinho Neves, um, I'm I'm blanking on the names right now, but he has four players on the Portugal that stacked Portugal teams: Real Patricio, um, Neves, Moutinho, and our right back Semedo. Semedo, Real Patricio, Neves, and Moutinho are all on the Portugal national team, and Neto would have been the fifth. And I'm pretty sure there's Bali. Um, he's a international for his team too. He's gotten a lot of players, a lot of debuts. Otosawi, he's playing with the U.S. national team too. Just a lot of great stuff for Nuno. I'm always gonna, I'm always gonna remember the the good things, the positive times. Even though we finished on a rough note, I'm gonna remember finish finishing seventh back to back. Everyone wants to praise uh, Leeds United this year for. You know, having a great campaign, and rightfully so, they played some exciting soccer. But a lot of people are calling them the best performance by a team that just got promoted. I think that that achievement is reserved for the Wolves when they finished seventh after in their first season back in the Premier League. That was a great season, beautiful soccer, entertaining soccer. They captivated a lot of fans, including myself, to be Wolves fans. And I think they they gained a lot of respect. That was a great season, first season back. That was amazing to watch. Um, I'm always going to remember the good times, playing in Europa, going pretty deep into Europa, super long season that started with the qualifiers for Europa, the pandemic hit, finishing the season all the way at the end. 
Um, going to remember beating City twice in one season. Um, eliminating Manchester United from the FA Cup. Um, just there's a lot of good times with Nuno. And I hope for the Wolves' sake, the next head coach, whoever it is, um, has a successful spell and is able to successfully succeed, succeed, um, succeed Nuno. But no matter what, we're always going to remember Nuno's era for good or for bad. If we do better, if we do, if we keep improving, if we, if we become one of the, the main staple teams in the Premier League year in and year out, we'll be able to point to Nuno's era as the foundation for, for the Wolves improving and becoming a, a elite team in the Premier League if, if we go down. Hopefully we don't, but like if if we're in relegation battles, if, if the team just completely falls apart, I will still support them. I'm a Wolves fan forever, but we'll look at this at Nuno and leaving the Wolves as you know the landmark um, moment in the trajectory of the Wolves for that demise. Hopefully it's not the, it's not the case. Hopefully we're able to continue to build on Nuno's success and the Wolves keep progressing through the Premier League ranks. But, you know, come on, you Wolves. I know you guys could do it. And I believe in Fosun. Hopefully they're able to get it done. Hopefully they hire the correct coach. Hopefully they back him up. And for Nuno, whatever you do, if you become the Tottenham head coach, if you become the Everton head coach, obviously I can't wholeheartedly root for you because you'll be an opponent. And I'm a Wolves fan through and through. And I always support, for, always support the Wolves. But... I'll always be in your corner and I'll always root for you. And hey, if you become the Portuguese head coach one day, that would be even better because then I could completely support you. You'll play in the Euros. I am Mexican, so I'll support Mexico and the U.S. But if you're in the Euros, I'll, I'll support Portugal because of you. But yeah, to wrap it up, thank you, Nuno, for the great, for the great times, for all the success. And I wish you the best wherever in whatever endeavor you take next. And that should wrap it up for the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for subscribing to the podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, these playoffs have been great. Game six of the Lakers versus Suns game is tomorrow or today. Whenever you're listening to this, it's going to be a great game. Hopefully, Lakers are able to get it done. Game six of the NBA um, series the Mavs versus the Clippers that's going to be amazing too on Saturday the Nets versus the Bucks kicks off or tips off a lot of good basketball to watch the French Open is going on if you're boycotting it I understand um, but yeah a lot of good sports just stay tuned I'll drop an episode soon thank you so much have a great rest of your day <laughs>